You are listening to Two Jerks, One Vote, the confusingly named Song Fight Reviews podcast. This time around, we're reviewing the songs for the What to Say and How to Say It fight. Hi, it's Micah. How was your day? I hope that it's been great. I'm listening to Song Fight, and I'm feeling alright. I heard your entry, and I adore it. And probably I'm gonna vote for it. While this competition has some low, low stakes I know the psychological impact that victory makes So I hope you win this song fight I mean you and you and her and him I hope you win this song fight But statistically the chances are slim I know how hard to master all those studio tricks are So I buy some of my books just like the fun size Twix bars Micah assumes no obligation to vote for or positively review any song fight entry. Micah reserves the right to withhold votes due to bitterness, crankiness, pettiness, or any other reason, including your song just not being very good. Micah is not speaking literally when he says, In my mind, you're all winners. Hey folks, welcome to the show. As you may have already guessed, today we're joined by longtime friend of the show, Micah Summersmith. Now before we get to asking Micah a bunch of deep and personal questions... Do we have anything we need to talk about? I, I have some stuff to talk about. First off, uh, the the title origin. This came from the boards. Congratulations to to James for his recent retirement. That's really awesome. Your post resulted in this title, this what to say and how to say it. And that's pretty cool, I thought. It's a great title, I think, really. Was that, was that his post about philosophy and ecology and everything? Did that come from that? Uh, oh, yes, yes. There's a richness of material here. One could approach it by talking about philosophy or ecology or scientism or theology or aesthetics or so many other things. And it's an important discussion, still inaccessible to the mainstream. The only question is what to say and how to say it. Yeah. yeah. That feels like I'm reminded, of, no shade, but I'm reminded a little bit of Jim Tyrell's would-be novelist who's like, I'm going to write this novel. The only question is what to say and how to say it. Like, oh, wait, that's, that's, all, that's, that's all of it. If you don't have those, you don't actually have right. anything. But I hope that the James Owens comes up with some intriguing things to say and uh, interesting ways to say them. Yeah, and submits them to Songfight. So, yeah. yeah. Because- I got to say, okay, guys. I got to say the whole, the whole drive thing, the cars, like, so, okay. One, I had never heard the song, but two, (laughs) I listened to the song and it's like, okay, sure. It's a similar contour, but the fact that like everybody piled on, like, I don't know, it's, you know, whatever. Clearly there's something that people were hearing that I was not. It's the, it's, it's not, I, I, okay. So it's not just that it was the same melody. It was the same melody. It was the same intonation. It was the same chord progression behind the melody. It was, it not, was the same, I, it was the same. Into, I mean, but it's and the rhythm was different. It's like one, two, na dun, da, da, dun, versus one, ba, da, 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 like there's a whole, the rhythm in the first half is different. It's, you know, I, uh, I can't believe we're talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> God, I hate that song. Can we talk about how terrible that car song is? I mean, I was so I me with like no the only cars knowledge that I had was was just what I needed. And so I was like, okay, I'll listen to this car song. It'll probably be a cool, like upbeat, poppy rock, high energy thing. And then it's like, well, what is this? This is the same band? So it's like if you like that kind of thing, sure. I thought that 
if you, if you agree that the that the melodies are similar, I thought that James Owens did it better. I can't believe we're talking. This was a whole goddamn week ago. Ancient, ancient, ancient history. So long ago. I can't even remember I agree, anything Micah. about it. So long ago. A whole week. So, yeah. Yeah, the way, the way that he changed the end of the melody is, yeah, it's is so more satisfying, satisfying and it's I think great. Better. It was distractingly, obviously, like something else. And it, it took me out of the song. That's the only thing that matters. If If something is... And it didn't take you out of the song because you weren't familiar with the song. But for me, it's kind of like as if it was just it, it just cut and pasted out of that other song. And that was distracting. Other than that, I had a lot of nice things to say about that song. But this but that was that I, I experienced my experience of the song was different than yours. I wasn't looking for something to gun down the song. It was just like, oh, wait, this is the cars. And uh, and that's what took me out of it. So, again, can't believe we're talking about it, but there we go. All right. So, okay, I'm going to derail this part of the conversation and go into some other things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Song Fight Live is going to be in your neck of the woods, Micah. It is. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be also singing in a choral thing that same weekend, and I'm going to have rehearsals. There are rehearsals scheduled Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then the concert is Sunday. And so I think what I'm going to be able to do is skip the Friday rehearsal and then probably just show up late to song fight on Saturday. But um, I'm going to try to be there. It's going to be exciting. I've been, yeah, I've been in on a little bit of the planning with, um, with Owl and with Manhattan Glutton, but Owl is really the one taking charge and she should be commended. She's already done. I mean, she's secured the venue and everything. Um, she's really jumped into it. So I'm super excited because it's not something that I think I would be able to justify traveling across the country for at this stage in my life. But I'm very excited that I'm going to be able to uh, do it now. So, Micah, one thing I wanted to ask you that I don't think we've ever actually discussed is how did you get into Songfight and maybe into amateur music in general? Okay, so the second question is much bigger than the first, which is that I started writing songs as in middle school or high school. I took piano lessons as a kid. I played in the school band. It was really, uh, this will surprise nobody, but it was the band They Might Be Giants that I got really into and that made me realize that I could write songs because they were writing the kinds of songs that it was like, oh, that's something that I, if I was a songwriter, I'd be interested in these things and I would want to write songs about these. And suddenly I was given permission. Quick um, interjection, quick, quick interjection. What came yeah. first, the accordion or the TMBG for you? The TMBG came first. So um, you learned accordion maybe because partly anyway, John Linnell or no? Yes, I had started learning guitar, and in high school, I went into the little store that I bought my guitar strings from, and they had an accordion there. So here's the thing, if They Might Be Giants did not exist, like I might not have, I might not have pursued songwriting, really, or, you know, who, who knows, who knows, question mark. But even if they had, like, if I was really into them and they didn't have the accordion, like when I saw that accordion, I probably still would have bought it. And like since then, I've I'm really into like all kinds of folk 
music from all over the world. So I do, I actually do a program of accordion music from around the world. So I, and I've done it like at libraries and I've done it for like senior citizens groups. So I do like, I do a little bit of like, here's the history of the accordion and like it developed in Germany. Here's a German tune that I'll play. And then it's like, then the other leading accordion place was Italy. Here's an Italian tune. Like, you know, it went to South America. Here's a tango. It went to Louisiana. Here's a Zydeco piece. And I don't mean physically traveling there because, but I just mean learning music from, from those areas. So that's, that's that whole thing that you got me derailed on, but um, (laughs) a song fight, so I so I was writing writing songs. I grew up in Northwest Ohio, and in high school, a friend and I would go to an open mic uh, Friday evening open mic at this coffee shop, and one of the regular performers there was Josh Woodward. Um, oh wow, that rings yeah. a big bell for me. Yeah, he, he did some amazing he, stuff. He's like a song fight heavyweight. He's like uh, one of the you know one of the highest win ratios, and he's just incredible. But I actually did not know that he I didn't know about song fight and I actually discovered song fight later and I don't even remember how it was maybe I was in college and MC front a lot performed at my college so I saw him perform and then I think like sort of researching him I found out that he had done this weird online thing and then as I was looking through I saw Josh Woodward's name and I was like wait oh that's cool and like all these songs that I had heard him play live and that I had like gotten, you know, listen, gone to his website and listens like, oh, these were song fights songs. He wrote these for this weird thing. So I did a couple. Um, I did a couple under my previous name, Micah Summer. That's why my uh, username is Micah Summer. I got married, and I, my wife and I combined our names. So now I'm Micah Summer Smith. But I was too lazy to get a new uh, account or anything or change my username. So there are two not very good songs on Song Fight as Micah Summer and then Micah Summer Smith. There's like 20 of them, and I've won two of them. One of them was like, oh yeah, this is in the bag because it was dad joke, and it was like directly exactly how I won uh, Spin Tunes 14. Is this like this was presented to me like here you go, Micah. This is exactly what you <laughs> excel at. Um, so I just waltzed in and I'm like, why yes indeed. And then Zero Gravity was a little bit of a um, of a surprise that I won that one. But I this is the first one with my piano, which is the same old piano that you hear on this one. Uh, it was a pleasant surprise to win that one. I really enjoy it. I would, you know, I would be writing songs otherwise, but this is a really great motivator and it stretches me in ways, you know, I, you know, I, oh, I wouldn't think to write a song about that or what have you. So yeah, it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. That didn't really, yeah, yeah. I think, but I think it was the MC front a lot, seeing him in college and then learning out, learning about his, his history. I think that's how I got to Song Fight. Apparently, there was a dark time in Song Fight's history right after MC Frontalot blew up, where every song submitted to Song Fight was nerdcore. And there was just a massive amount of nerdcore on Song Fight. Let, let's specify everything other than the uh, Frontalot stuff was m- mostly bad nerdcore, though, with, with some notable exceptions. Yeah. But you uh, lived through that era, so I, I was not. Not aware at that time, so 
I did. Actually, I got into sort of following Song Fight before Front a Lot. It was Frankie Bigface, actually, who got me into it. You know, back for a long, long time, I was always kind of like looking for different weird music. And often enough, like I'd go into used record stores and look at look for compilation albums full of bands that I'd never heard of before. And I'd uh, I'd listen to those and you know, you'd buy them for 50 cents and you'd take them home and there'd be zero good songs on it. So you'd lost 50 cents. But if you found one or two that you really liked, then you'd be way into it. Anyhow, when the internet came around and, and, you know, started dominating, I was into a, let's see, a website called garageband.com, which is before Apple's GarageBand, I think. And, uh, and didn't have anything to do with Apple and was not associated with Apple. Frankie Bigface, I, I heard some of his stuff on there and it, brought me to song fight really then you know then song fight was like this regular infusion of new weird quirky interesting music so that that's how that's even how i got into it at all and that was ages and ages and ages ago you know and of course mc frontalot did stuff as mc frontalot which was excellent but he also did great stuff with um the milwaukee youth center choir which is not a milwaukee youth center choir but the <laughs> i think band, i've heard a few of those yeah, it's it's a it's an awesome awesome stuff they put in there, and I, th- I think some more too that are kind of escaping my my brain. But they did some great songs for Red Robot, Bad Dreams, just just great stuff. Anyhow, digression. So last fight, two hits, Berkeley Social Scene. I, maybe that was a little bit surprising. I forget who we wanted to win last time. I was unable to imagine any universe in which anyone other than Vowel Sounds won. So I was very surprised. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was very good. I mean, there there were a lot of really really good songs. I liked, like, just taking a look at it now. I'm I'm on that webpage and like everything. The the top one, two, three, four, five, six. The the top six are ones that I could easily imagine winning. So yeah, I guess uh, Berkeley Social Scene just pulled it out. Yeah, I I I was pleased that uh, Paco del Stenko got as many boats as he did because i thought that song was really really great yeah and i I don't want to cast shade congratulations to to berkeley social scene not you know not my favorite of the fight not my favorite of theirs but a a solid song yeah yeah definitely but they're not going to win the um how to say or what to say and how to say it fight because they're not in the what to say and how to say it fight which is very unusual and uh, most of them are doing are doing at least something over at Narine, right? That's true, but so is um, Paco del Stinko. So he's well, he's, he's pulling he, ahead again. He's not human, right? He, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's he's just he's like he's a songwriting algorithm connected to an electric guitar and amplifier, and and somebody just presses a button and. Suddenly there are 50 Paco Del Stinko songs, right? That's my understanding. Yeah. It might be a, he might be a superhero with the amazing power of not only musical talent, but also obsessive compulsion that <laughs> forces him to submit to absolutely every fight, which, uh, and all the better for it, I guess. A couple years ago, he like, quote, retired from song fight. Like I remember... Uh, there was the Odd Lang Syne fight. It was the end of like 2017 or something, 2016 maybe. Um, and he's like, oh, great to win this one. This is kind of my swan song. I'm out, guys. 
I think it's competitive. You know, Berkeley social scene caught up with him. Yeah, in terms of number of songs. And, yeah, I think uh, I, it was 20. He submitted to every fight of 2016. And then Auld Lang Syne was January of 2017. And then, and then he did take a break until August of 2018. But he's been hammering away at it since then. It looks like every single fight since August of last year. The man cannot be stopped. And now he's got uh, enough of a, a little lead there that he can take a month break if he feels like it. Not that I, I, I hope he doesn't. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I, them, him and Berkeley social scene, he's got a little bit of leeway. Well, uh, Micah, you, you didn't decide. You decided not to do Narine this year. Was that a scheduling thing, or what sort of a deal was that? Um, yeah, a little bit. It's just, it's just really intense, and I, um. Uh, we're doing some traveling that would have that would be over during that period, and I just had a pretty big concert with the choir I sing in, and and my secret plan was uh, was then to like you know swoop in to song fight when there are only like three people submitting <laughs> and win all of them, except I actually don't have a song for this upcoming fight, so that's not working out too well. Ah. Uh. That's a shame because I hear you have an in with the judges. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, is, is there more we should talk about before we launch into the actual songs, the reviews? I don't think so. Let's launch right into it. And this time, first up, alphabetically, we've got BGM. Anybody want to take a first whack at this? Um, I'll go if nobody else wants to go. I, I actually wrote quite a bit for this yeah, one. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I thought it starts out sounding a bit like a joke, you know, with a cheesy drum machine. And it kind of reminds me, I think they did like a promo for the listening party. And it sounds kind of loungy and stuff like that. Yeah. And this, the, the cheesy drum machine is so cheesy and uh so I, again it starts out sounding a little bit like a joke but then it turns into something really soothing and melodic and uh it's an extremely enjoyable tune there's one kind of percussive element that goes through the chorus though and it sounds like they just forgot to turn off their metronome or something it comes and goes and i think it's mostly like in the right ear and i think it's a little distracting uh, it really doesn't add anything to the song i don't think but still i like this song a lot and i think the chorus sounds a little more like a pre-chorus though like it sounds like a setup to a rousing chorus but then that chorus doesn't 
appear. That final double repetition in the song of uh, it's every time almost seems more like a chorus than the real chorus that appears, you know, throughout the rest of the song. But, you know, that didn't prevent me from enjoying the song a lot. Uh, the lyrics were not posted, but they're pretty clear. And it's, you know, one of my favorite genres. It's kind of a quirky, dysfunctional communication slash love song. Or maybe it's not a love song. It's kind of hard to tell exactly what the relationship is here. Yeah, I um, I was excited to see a BGM song because I really enjoyed his stuff from Narine a few years ago when he actually won. And in some ways, this song reminds me a lot of, of that winning song, Leviathan, uh, in that it's got this kind of a kind of a country feel. I really love the slide guitars. I really love kind of like cowboy lead guitar, guitar solo. I think it's really, really well done. It's impeccably produced. You know, you can hear every element. It, there's a lot going on, but you can hear everything. I do hate that um, that like drum machine that starts off and that goes throughout. I have an electric organ, a con minomatic electric organ from the 1960s. That's like my father-in-law, his neighbor was giving it away and he's like do you want this and it's like sure okay and they have like negative value now because there are so many of them anyway and it has the like drum machine that like it's fun to play along to but i would never record something with it and it's like that's what that sounds like so it's just kind of weird that to me that among all this like really lush beautiful instrumentation he went with this really cheap sounding drum thing uh lyrically this did not do anything for me. I, the theme was kind of similar to Lichen Throats, whichever, whenever song. And, you know, his was uh, whichever, whichever you say, it's the wrong, whichever you choose, it's the wrong choice. Whenever you speak, it's the wrong voice. And here, you know, it's what you say and how you say it, everything comes out wrong. For me, the lyrics, just because there were very little specifying details, like I didn't know what the relationship between these two people was. I didn't know, um, I didn't have, get any examples of things that the other person uh, has said or done that's so objectionable. There's like nothing to grab onto. And there's a couple other songs where I want to talk about you know, kind of how specific or how general do you get with lyrics. But here, if it's a love song or like a song of, of support or even like a breakup song, you want to be general enough that the listener can insert themselves and their own experience into it. And that's like really satisfying. But for this, because it's like kind of such a specific thing, like you are mean all the time and yet there's there's no specific details in it. So I didn't have a handle on it at all. And then the only the only other complaint after I completely trashed the lyrics is that I didn't like the melody either. Uh, like you said, the chorus feels more like a pre-chorus. The verse is great. I really like the verse melody. I counted, and I may have counted wrong, but in the chorus section, there's 43 notes in the melody, and 33 of them are the same note. Uh, there's there's so little movement in the chorus that it's just it's not fun to listen to to me but again the guitar work the production uh his vocals uh is all really top notch so this was one where just the song itself didn't uh didn't grab me i think the point is is that the the real charm of the song is in the instrumentation i really like the palette of sounds that he chose for the song 
So, and I, I struggle like you guys trying to figure out why there's this cheesy drum machine preset as the drum track for this song. And I think it's because that this is an omnichord song. So the omnichord is ever present through this and the omnichord, as well as being able to make those sort of chimey glockenspiel type sounds also has presets for drums. And I think that's what he's trying to sound like. Like he just hit, you know, the rhythm track on his omnichord and then started playing. One of the things that I really love about Songfight as a hobby is that I've learned a lot about music by participating and listening. Like, I didn't really know how what an omnichord was or how it worked until Last Narine when Brooks talked about it, because that's, uh, that's her primary instrument, uh, Brooks from Lucky Witch and the Righteous Ghost. That omnichord is a really cool instrument. It's got like three rows of 12 buttons, one for each of the 12 tones in Western music, and the rows are major, minor, and seventh. So if you hold down like A major, you get A major, and A seventh, you get A dominant seven. And if you can, you can press combinations of those buttons together, so you can play a major seven or a minor seven by hitting the major or minor and the seventh button. And if you hit major and minor together, it'll play a diminished chord. And if you play all three, it'll play an augmented chord. It's pretty cool. It's a really cool instrument. And there's like the, there's a strum plate on the side that will uh, arpeggiate the chord that you have held down in four octaves. And you can either strum it or kind of plank on it. So it's, it's a really neat instrument. And I think newer models have like a MIDI port and line out jacks. And I think that's what he's using here. I don't know, man. Mm. I don't know. I mean, like any instrument that, that you can play a whole chord with one button, that just sounds wrong. <laughs> uh, are, are we going to start fighting here? No, no. I think it's awesome. I, th- I, th- I think it's really cool that people can just, you know, push down a button and start and make music. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I really liked the, like Micah, I really liked that guitar solo. It's like a warm, bassy tone he's got on the guitar solo and a lot of tremolo on it. Really sounds classy. Sometimes I even forget that my guitar has a neck pickup. I should probably investigate that from time to time. And also there's that slide guitar that sounds like either a Western style lap steel or a Hawaiian sort of sound. You know, whenever you slide up from one major chord to another, like that, it just sounds like a Hawaiian sort of uh, opening to me. So it does sound a lot like his uh, promo that he uses for Nurine. Like, like Ryan keyed in on. I think he does a lot of the same tricks there. But yeah. yeah, I liked this. I wasn't too keen on the lyrics or following along with the story of the song, but uh, I definitely enjoyed all the instrumentation. I'll probably be voting it for it just because of that reason. All right. All right. So next up is Budget Bears. feelings about this right away because it sounded like Green Day to my ears. You know, that fast tempo, power pop. I'm definitely into that with that fast rhythm guitar strumming. 
And I really like the lyrics on this one. Like, I thought for a second that this was just a throwaway song from Von Borten. Like, he didn't have a whole lot to go on, so he's just gonna, you know, write some sort of fun, punky power pop song and just throw it up there. He uses a lot of really great lyrics in this song. I thought, wow, this is not a throwaway song. He actually spent some time writing interesting lyrics. And I really like it's, you know, the story about a guy who wants to say something probably to a love interest. And he's just like working it up in his mind and he's trying to script it all out so it turns out good. And he has like writer's block and it's just stopping him from saying anything at all. And it's a little bit sad and it's a little bit poignant and it's uh, a little bit funny. I really like this quite a lot. And... I think if I were to add some suggestions, I mean, there are some harmonies on the chorus, which are nice, but I think like he could have really channeled Small Town Mike with some woe-ohs or some ah-ah vocals that would have been great. And there are some places after the chorus where it's just a blank canvas for those kind of backing vocals. So I think that was a little bit of a missed opportunity there. But yeah, this this is another song I'm voting for and that I like. Yeah, I this one really grew on me. I didn't, like you, I kind of didn't think ton about it at first and then and part of that was that the the lyrics were pretty hard to make out but as i was listening more carefully and starting to piece the lyrics together yeah this is basically a song about social anxiety and i i really like this idea of like sorry i can't talk right now because i'm busy figuring out what i would say if i were able to talk right now like this kind of self-defeating loop that you get stuck on so i love the energy i wish the lyrics were more audible i had a question what's the the drums i thought i was trying to figure out like are these live drums or sampled because the ride cymbal sounds like fairly real but like every single snare hit is exactly the same and I don't know, I wish there was some more life in the drums because it had like a it had like a live band feel like the kind of loose jangly guitars. But then the snare drum was like everything. It was it was robot snare drum. Yeah, I had some notes about that, too. I thought it was something something weird about the drums, like almost like there's two different sets, you know, almost like, yeah, the uh, there's that one cymbal in the foreground kind of playing almost at half tempo and the rest is kind of muffled in the background in comparison. So if it, it could just be a, a live set that was poorly mic'd, or I, I don't know exactly what's going on with it. But yeah, I, I thought I also didn't like whatever it was, just for the drums. You know, I also, the first couple guitar strums sound like they're sampled. Like, you know, there's a sampler with a guitar strum on it, and it's like he's hitting the buttons to make it play. That went away relatively quickly and sounded more organic. So there's definitely some weird sort of robotic elements to the song. All in all, though, I thought, you know, I liked the song a lot. Uh, I thought the lyrics were a better version of the quirky, dysfunctional love song that, you know, tends to be right up my alley. The song itself sounds like a mix between Vom Vorten and Jeff Rosenstock, and that is that is exactly up my alley. It's up-tempo, it's a good melody, clever lyrics, it's got lots of energy and charm. But yeah, whatever's going on with that drum thing, I, I thought was, was not great. But yeah, otherwise I love the song. And do we know why Vom is uh, incognito in this one? No, I just assumed it was because it was a throwaway, but maybe he's just trying something new and doesn't want to besmirch his sterling record. I don't know. Well, his, I mean, his vowel sounds record is certainly sterling. His Von Vorten record is, you know, good, but not, uh, not incredible. He's at 12%.
Um, oh, his <laughs> his his song fight. <laughs> His song fight record. I thought you were talking about his album, and I was going to defend his album here oh. <laughs> because his, his albums on Bandcamp are fantastic, and everybody should go check them oh, out. Oh yeah, They're yeah, wonderful. yeah. Pitch Pitchfork gave it a twelve percent. That's... <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, no, no, it's it's, a, it's an awesome album. <laughs> All right, so next, I think we're going to talk about how to pronounce the name of this band, and I think it's C something C C R T V zero. What to say and how to say it I say hi and no reply And no reply I say hi, why do I say hi When no reply, not even a knock Communication is our food. Eat it, consume it, get our mood. Communication is our food. Eat it, consume it, get our mood. I feel like this is the most that I took away from this song. I mean, this song is um, is more than sparse. It's sketchy. I think Al said it's like somebody, you know, recorded a song idea into a voice recorder, and here it is. Yeah, yeah actually, that's that's a great sort of comparison. I hadn't thought about that, but if you go through my voice memos, half of them sound like not very well fleshed out version of this. Yeah, I mean, I like some of the sung lyrics, and the spoken word bit at the end about twins is sort of interesting, but I don't get it, and I'm not sure there is something to get. So yeah, it's it's just a little weird and a little bit interesting, and I'd like to congratulate these folks for composing and performing a song, uh, even though this is probably not everyone's cup of tea. Uh, this is more than most people do, so congrats for that. I, uh, yeah, I... I got kind of into this. Um, and again, like Budge of Bears, it was after I had to like listen really closely and figure out the, the lyrics. And yeah, I mean, communication is our food. It's all it's about it's about communicating and, and failing to communicate and kind of what that does to you. And the whole thing about your invisible tribe of twins, all in subject case, by the way. So I, I think he's I think he's German, probably. He sounds like he's maybe German and, uh, you know, German has nouns declined. So I think that was the bit about your twins all in subject case. I don't know exactly what that means, but I really enjoyed that touch. But yeah, you've there are these people out there, your invisible tribe of twins who you could communicate really well with. But the difficult thing is is finding them, is identifying them. You know, how how can you know yourself? How can you know yourself when you can't even compare yourself to your twins? That's my really bad impression of whatever accent this guy was doing. So I liked it. I obviously I wish it was it was better recorded, it was more fleshed out. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I thought it's, you know, it's difficult for me to wrap my head around this song. You know, it's like I feel like I'm maybe not the target audience for it. Uh, it it does sound a little familiar. Like, I think we've heard something from uh, this guy under a different name at some point. Uh, but I don't remember if it was Song Fight or if it was one of these other competitions or, or what. And I can't remember which name it was. There isn't anybody else with this specific name 
in the archive. I I wonder about like the poor recording quality, you know, the the lack of instrumentation, the hesitant performance, and the preachy pseudo philosophy of the lyrics. You know, I didn't enjoy the song, but I'm also certain that if this exact same song was a bonus track on Laurie Anderson's Big Science album, that I wouldn't question it at all. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's like, oh, well, I can get into this, and I'd, I'd start, I'd give it more attention, and I'd give it more benefit of the doubt. Uh, and that's not really fair. It's still something that I think maybe lacked some effort. And and come on, get a real band name, really. <laughs> <laughs> that's where that's, you would get yeah. to. Well, that, I mean, that, yeah. among many things I'm hearing here, I, I feel that it didn't click with me and. I think that's unfair that if it were on a Laurie Anderson album, that it would potentially click with me. So that's not fair of me to say something like that. If you told me that he'd improved it in one take uh, into a microphone, then I wouldn't have been all that surprised. And I would have been a little miffed that he didn't put any effort into it. I don't know. You know, that's the whole thing. I don't know why it's such bad recording quality. And I don't know... It, this song isn't for me let me put it yeah yeah ryan i think you're just not a member of this guy's invisible tribe of twins i can live with that yeah i could live without talking about that song anymore let's move on to evil grin it's been a long time since you've been been in my and the singing of the song. I mean, this, in some ways, this is a G&G recording. I really like the lyrics. They're both intimate and personal, and they speak pretty frankly about female sexual agency, which is not something you hear on Songfight every day. Yeah, it, I think it was both sort of romantic and empowering at the same time, and I liked it because of that. I like it when folks really put some feeling and take risks when they write and try to express something personal. It's going to get a big vote and a thumbs up from me. Pig Farmer's solo, I think, is really nice in the song, but it deserves a fuller production, and I hope they go back and add that to it because I think lyrically this is a really solid song. Yeah, um, people don't often go for sexy in general in song fight. It's not only about sex. It, it like is a fairly sexy song, 
which I like. And I thought Pig Farmer said on the boards that uh, that his collaborator who wrote the song was sick and still managed to record it. And I don't know what was going on, but the, her vocals did not seem to suffer. And in fact, maybe her vocals were even improved because they had, compared to the other two songs we've heard, it was it was like a lower, maybe a little bit like huskier kind of sound to the voice, which, which I think was cool. The, I agree that I wish it was a more of a full band arrangement and the the guitar track has the issue that I often have when I'm recording acoustic guitar which is that the dominant sound in it is like the percussive pitchless sound of the pick on the strings kind of this like high pitch yeah. scraping and so it's like you hear that and then kind of in the distance you hear the actual chord that's being played. It's just really unpleasant to me, maybe just because I struggle with it so much when I'm recording, that I actually found that aspect of the song like almost physically unpleasant to listen to. So I had to sometimes skip the song when it came through because it's like I just can't listen to that acoustic guitar right now. The uh, electric guitar solo I thought was quite nice. I don't really know that I've heard this kind of playing from Pig Farmer before. It reminds me kind of of, of like jazz guitar playing. Uh, it's smooth. It's really tasteful. It's really nice. So I, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I'd like to, I'd like to hear this song with a more fully, fully realized and better produced instrumental backing. Yeah. I, I thought this was a really good song. It's uh you know, G and G plus the nice guitar solo. I didn't have Micah's problems with the guitar sound, which probably means that my headphones aren't as good as Micah's. I thought it was a good performance, a nice melody, uh, sexy, sexy lyrics. I do kind of wish it had some backing vocals, some harmony vocals, but uh, it's it's fine without it too. So yeah, great job. The other half of Evil Grin, it's, so it's Pig Farmer and Amanda is the vocalist. So I don't think we've ever said her name before. Shout out to Amanda. Good job on Good this one. Good for bringing the sexy despite the sick. Next up, we've got The Glash. I'm not the kind of guy Who wins whenever I try I'm not the kind of friend on which you can depend. What 
I I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the the live band energy. I thought the title hook was great. What to say and how to say it. Like this is maybe the only uh, song in this fight that just took the title as like we're just the hook is just going to be that title. Um, and there are some other words in the chorus, but just having that like, yep, okay, that's. And then if so, if you heard the song and then you saw that that was the title, it's like, oh, of course, clearly because that was the main hook of it. Um, I don't, I didn't love the uh, the rhythm guitar that starts off. The like, it's it's like a clean tone, no distortion, and not very interesting. I didn't really like the like noodly lead guitar, and I had this complaint in um, in the two hits fight with a number of songs of being call and response with no response. So like the the singer would sing a phrase, and then there'd be an emptiness where there's like nothing happening. And in fact, even like the lead guitar. I think it's in like the second verse would alternate between just playing chords and doing like a kind of like riff thing, except he was doing the chords when the singer was not singing and he was doing the cool riff when the singer was singing. Uh, so So it was like too much happening and then nothing interesting happening. And I think that's a symptom of like, this was their first take. This is a very loose like jam song. I wish that they had, practiced it a little more kind of figured out figured out the groove figured out the the back and forth i thought the song was too short actually the they only did that chorus once and it feels like it could have come back again at the end at least a few times but i did like the the tune itself i thought the lyrics were fine uh not super creative but you know you can you can sing along you can latch onto them and i thought that the live energy was really great yeah this song reminds me like the entire song reminds me of the chorus for here comes the night which is uh, old i want to say it's it's like a van morrison song that sounds like a rolling stones song it's like a really old one for i think the band that he was in before he went solo you you may not recognize it just from the title but it's a really old sort of classic song that you hear on classic rock radio pretty regularly it's you know this like here it comes here comes the night and i thought this whole song verses and chorus sounded like just the chorus for that song but uh, the lyrics are okay i thought maybe a little throwaway you know it was, it was relatively easy couplets and that's fine but the song is you know it kind of came and went and didn't leave a big impression it's nothing new or interesting or innovative but it's not trying to be and and when that's the case uh, for any given song i need something more engaging for it to spark my interest and so yeah this song was fine didn't didn't rise to the top for me didn't assert itself let me put it that way and the uh, the ending kind of spoken word stuff that is i've heard it done a lot for for takes it's like oh, okay well that's good enough and then whether it's true or not you know some people say okay take one for the guitar solo and then they do this screeching guitar solo and, and it's like okay yeah whatever that that whole part doesn't really do it for me whenever i hear like yammering in the background it's i, I realize it's not for me it's for the band and it's it's not a, I, I i would prefer if they'd clip that off Sometimes it can be really a great part of the song. Like there's that famous Tom Petty song that begins, it's just the normal noises in here. And then the song kicks in like, 
fuck the mid school. All I know is <laughs> <laughs> there were, there were rumors. rumors he was into field hockey yeah. players. <laughs> Yeah, so that can be great, and I think it's cool to go for that from time to time. And I think some people like that sort of studio banter in the end, but I don't think it was particularly great in this instance, because it was like, take one, we're done. And I think a lot of us had feelings that there may have been, there may have should have been, there may should have been. Do you, do you want to try an additional take on that line? I do not. There may should have That been. take was perfect. My... <laughs> there may should have been. Uh and, you know, like, I, I like the vocals in the song a lot, and it reminds me that you don't technically need to be a great vocalist for rock and roll, but you do need to have confidence and feeling to sell it, which I think this vocalist definitely does. I really like how he sings the dressed, impressed rhyme towards the end of the song. It's got a lot of character in it and some attitude. Singers like Lou Reed and Jonathan Richmond and Gordon Gano, they have outsized personalities that really comes through on the vocals, and they're not technically amazing. For everybody out there like me, who's not a technically amazing vocalist, it's all about the character. So I like that quite a lot. So some of the lead guitar noodling I liked and some of it I didn't. But there were definitely some tasty licks and fills, especially on the part of the bass player. Like, I really like some of the the slides and stuff that the bass player did in some of the more quieter parts of the song. But I really wish that drums and bass just came through more. Like, they're really muffled in this song, and I wasn't able to hear them as much as I would have liked. So I feel like the bass player got a little bit ripped off in this song. But yeah, otherwise, this is sort of a mid-tier song for me. I liked it. I like certain elements about it. But overall, it didn't really, didn't really do it for me. It's quite a contrast from their... Uh whichever whenever like 90s hip-hop song oh yeah that's right it's very 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 different so it's 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 cool that they've got some some different sounds in their wheelhouse yeah real variety that's good i think on the boards they were described as glam folk so that was not maybe a it's not the I music maybe they're just glam folks <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're like all dressed up in frizzy hair and makeup like the New York Dolls yeah. and we just can't Maybe see Maybe they it. just had two dice and one has like grunge, glam, post, neo, and the other one has like folk, rock, and they just roll the dice and like, oh, glam, folk. All right, that's what we are. That is a great idea. All right, so next up we've got Jim Tyrell. There's only two things keeping me from writing the next great American novel, he said. One is what to say, and the other's how to say it. By the time I get it figured out, I'll probably be dead. I've had this idea kicking round for ages, and now it's like a rat crawling round in my head. If I don't get it out pretty soon, it's gonna kill me, but I'm gonna live forever if it ever gets read. Read all about it, they're all gonna shout it. Welcome to the Wonderland, waiting on the page. If I can figure out what to say and how to say it, maybe I can find a way out of this paper white cage. I, I really like his take on the title. You know, it's a, about a frustrated writer who has this great idea that he just can't get out of his head and he can't figure out how to express it and he tries and he tries. I really like how he weaves the title through the first verse of the chorus and then it's done in a really natural way. And sometimes 
forcing the title into your song can feel ham-fisted if you're not like thoughtful about how you do it. I think it was used both well in the chorus and in the first verse. And besides the lyrics, I really like how clean and clear everything sounds, like the piano, the vocals, but especially the bass. It sounds really good in the transition between the verse and the chorus. And that's it's just in contrast with what happened with the glash, and maybe that's why I picked up on it, but the bass tone is just, I'm really digging it in this song. The lead vocal melody is also good and singable, and uh, this is really well done. And I wasn't thinking that I would like it as much as I did, but I think this is among my favorites this week. Ryan, why don't you go ahead? Because I have a lot to say about this song, so. I, th- I think it's a fun song that tells a fun story. I, uh, I got to sort of disagree about the bass. I thought that both the bass and the choir vocal sound super duper fake. The choir vocal obviously is a, you know, a synth sound, but uh, the bass I think is also synth bass and uh, it's fine, you know, for synth bass. Uh, I I don't think it's, I I don't think it would hold up to your own standard chumpy for a bass line. So I'm kind of surprised to hear you praise it like that. The piano sounds good to me though. And so like, even if it's not a real piano piano, whatever they're using for their pianos is, does sound really good. I feel like the lyrics should be funnier too. I mean, like this isn't supposed to be a serious song. I don't think yet there aren't any real funny parts or jokes in it or i might just be dead on the inside but i I didn't find any of it really funny and i thought that with the delivery and just with the way that it's presented it should be funny it should have some some laugh parts in there it should have some jokes and it just really didn't have any that i could identify but you know otherwise it's a good song yeah i I don't i don't mind the song for what it is it's it's fine but yeah i kind of wish that it had some laughs in there some ha-has okay guys this is there's absolutely no competition whatsoever this is hands down the best song in this fight okay um and you and you guys are both well chumpy you liked it ryan you're you're a piece of garbage um you're just you're just garbage i'm okay so, with that. so do you guys uh so you guys know that i'm a stan rogers fan right and when we collaborate i'm always trying to get us to do a stan rogers type thing um uh, no but okay go ahead okay well <laughs> maybe you don't maybe you don't read the emails who is stan you know who stan rogers is don't you do i I'm okay sure he's, I a, he's a canadian uh songwriter he does like whenever we talk about sea shanties i'm like let's do this like stan rogers thing okay anyway guys Whatever. So there's a song by Stan Rogers called The Idiot. Most people don't know this about me, but I spend every social interaction trying to figure out if it's acceptable for me to bring up the song The Idiot by Stan Rogers. Um, <laughs> and I finally have my chance. OK. Uh, and on the surface, the, the Idiot by Stan Rogers is absolutely nothing like this song. But I'm going to go on like a five minute thing about it anyway. So The Idiot is about a song is about a man from eastern Canada. All the all the factories are shutting down. There's an economic downturn and there are no jobs. So he has two options. He can stay and go on welfare. He can take the dole, the government dole, 
or he can move to Western Canada and he can work in the oil refineries. He decides to, to go to probably Alberta, to Western Canada, gets a job in the oil refinery. He hates the job, it's gross, it's dirty, he's far away from home, uh, he, he doesn't like living there, he doesn't like the culture there, but uh, he has kept his self-respect and he is he's not depending on a handout from anybody else. And, and it's very clear that the narrator of the song believes that he has made the right choice. But what's less clear is whether the song itself believes that he has made the right choice. Should he have stayed, stayed at home, sure, taken the, taken the government handout, or, you know, should he have, have taken this job and been able to fend for himself? And how you feel about that very much depends on, like, how you feel about the, like, quote, dignity of work. And I feel like the song is very clear that he has made a mistake in taking this this crappy job for this imaginary sense of honor that he has. But other people have heard the song and come to a completely different conclusion. And if you read YouTube comments about the song, it's pretty entertaining to like have people arguing with each other about this. Anyway, in this song by Jim Tyrell, the question is, should we take this narrator's literary ambitions seriously or not? And... It's just the the only reason that I went on that huge thing about the idiot is that we don't get very many songs where it's put in the forefront. The, the, the idea that the narrator and the song itself might have different points of view. So here we have this guy with these apparently very serious literary ambitions and he's like driven. He wants to create this thing. But like he doesn't have any idea actually what uh, what his book is about. You said there are no like funny lines in here ryan the line it's something about redemption and something about a girl is a fantastically to me fantastically hilarious line because it's like that's every like 20th century or 21st century quote great american novel written by a white man is like something about redemption and something about a girl and they're all the same and it's just it's very sly in that we're presented with this guy who yeah, he's just, I, oh man, guys, it's so good. And I went on a completely pointless thing about it, but uh, <laughs> it's really great. And, and I think sort of, Ryan, what you're talking about with like, is it funny or not? I think that this song has managed to avoid just being a novelty song. It could, it could have like amped up the humor and had, you know, more jokes and it'd just be like, oh, ha ha, this is a funny song about a guy who can't write his book. But I think this song is really worth digging into, and I really enjoyed it. And I thought that the lyrics were really well-crafted, you know, consistent meter and rhyme scheme and everything. It was great. Chumpy, you mentioned that, like, bass walk-up into, into the chorus, right? Okay, so here's the secret yeah. to writing a song that Micah Summersmith is going to like. You, st you have the verse in a minor key, and then you start off the chorus in the relative major. That's all you need to do. Like, it's just so satisfying to hear that. You hear that bass just walk up and then suddenly, boom, you're in the major key. And it's like it opens up. It's this great contrast. It's so good. And so even though the instrumentation is basically the same, it's like drums, piano and bass, uh, whether any of those are real instruments or not, whatever. The instrumentation is the same throughout, but it has this lift. It has this opening up in the chorus. Musically, I thought this was somewhere between They Might Be Giants and like maybe Ben Folds Five. And I thought that actually 
like yeah. his voice itself is like halfway between John Flansburg and Ben Folds. And you can't avoid a comparison to They Might Be Giants if your song starts off, there's only two, um, which of course is, is <laughs> right, also right. the beginning of the song number three by They Might Be Giants. The, my, okay, here's my one single solitary criticism of this song. Wow, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the time on our Skype call, and it's like, how much, Micah? How much time have you spent on this song? So uh, maybe I could find a way out of this paper white cage. I wish that instead of paper white cage, he had said blank white cage, because uh, it, it yeah. plays off blank white page, which we all know as a metaphor for writer's block. And it's gonna, and that's that connection is gonna be obvious because you just rhymed it with page. So we have the page thing, and it's like, oh, blank white cage. So rather than explicitly having me like it's white because it's made of paper, it's a little bit subtler. And having the one syllable versus the two syllable lets you do that blank white cage, like pound pound pound, which I think would be a little bit more satisfying rhythm. And then. Uh, you could convince me that the the synth choir is a little bit cheesy, but I don't know. I kind of liked it. So change that one word and it's you've perfect. got... You, it's perfect. <laughs> Guys, this song was so good. I liked it a lot, too. Speaking of Jim Tyrell making me laugh, uh, in his artist profile on Songfight, it says, Jim Tyrell writes and records songs and plays them at night in bars. He also has a day job, which both family and friends have urged him not to quit. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the one right here to say Jim Tyrell, quit your day job, do it all in, go all in on this stuff, man, uh. and move to Western Canada while you're at it. Yeah, the the opinions and, uh, expressed by some of our guests are not the opinions of you know do not quit. Yeah, I was uh, don't yeah I don't think anybody should quit their day job. Uh, okay, so so wait, so the the choir thing, it, it is sounding very fake, but it's kind of like you know, if you don't think of it as so much a choir, but just as a uh, musical sound, then that's totally valid. Okay, so Ryan has come around and he does love the song, <laughs> and we're all good. Huzzah! Yes, af- after your extravaganza of projection, I'm totally fine <laughs> with this song, and it's I'm gonna bolt for it multiple times. No, I, I it's I mean again, it's a fine song. I just wish it had had the yucks in it. Yeah. Well, speaking of a an extravaganza of Micah Summersmith, next we have Micah Summersmith. Stand in line A line that shuffles slowly And seems to stretch for miles You wait to give your line To the family all in black With their red-eyed smiles A line about how sorry all rehearsed in your head, but it just doesn't seem real. You try to figure what to say and how to say it. You search for words that might supply some healing bond. Who knows the price of grief, but now you watch them try to pay All 
right. Just like the last song, I didn't get the jokes in this one. Like, I'm starting to question your comic timing with this song, Micah. So, no, no I'm, I'm just kidding, obviously. The, the, you know, this song really captures that whole scenario, the, the kind of stilted, semi-surreal formality of it, and all of that kind of antiseptic protocol with the real emotion bubbling just underneath it. It's very, very well done and very well performed. I think it's probably not going onto my playlist alongside I'm Walking on Sunshine, but you know, it it, it definitely fit in next to Shallow, but you know, Shallow isn't on my playlist either. Slow songs can be hard to sell. This is a really, really good one. You know, the lyrics are fantastic. The way that you present that scenario and show it, it's like, it's all true. And uh, and I get it, and it's heartbreaking, and it's it's hard to sell me on on any slow song though. So for for repeat listens, you know, I listen to this several times. Obviously, it's uh, it's sad, and I don't like to be sad. Yeah, I didn't I didn't use a click track, so I don't know what the tempo is, but it's definitely less than 160. <laughs> yeah, so see, not a jerkatorium song. <laughs> yeah, skip. Yeah. <laughs> My dog does not go go below 140. Um, so, so what I liked about this song is that you have this great shift in perspective from the two sections, and yet you keep the rhyming structure exactly the same. So this allows for repetition to sort of cement the structure in the listener's head, but also like subtly shifts the meaning of the two sections in a really pleasing way for people who might not be listening carefully, but they're eventually they're going to get it. And I think that's really cool. I was curious, like, what was going through your head when you first heard the title of Song Fight? And how did you settle on this idea when you were writing the song? Uh, that chorus, I mean, you, you try to think, it was basically immediate. Like, when I saw what to say and how to say it, it's like, oh, that's at a funeral. That was my first, that was my first thought. I did not entertain any other uh, notions. And kind of usually that's what happens for me. Like, I'm always, like, I see the title and usually I'm like, oh, clearly this is the way to go with this title. And so then I'm always pleasantly surprised when it's like, oh, 10 other people had completely different interpretations. Yeah, yeah. And yet- Clear, clearly my my uh, my roommate is a chicken and I'm having an argument with them. <laughs> yeah, um, that wasn't a title. Okay, I'm, just a title for that I'm just one. saying. I'm just saying. Sometimes it's less obvious than others. But okay. um but I mean, in that in that case, it was like, oh, write a song about an animal in your house or in your household. And I was like, well, I have a cat and I have chickens and everybody's going to do cats. So I better do the chickens. Yeah. So that came immediately. And then the idea of having that mirrored structure came pretty soon after that. Uh, and this idea that like when you're trying to speak to someone who's grieving, uh, you don't want to say the wrong thing to add to their pain. And so you think, well, maybe I shouldn't say anything at all. But from the other side, like what really does cause pain is uh, is this idea that you're alone and you're suffering. So from that perspective, it's just like, just say anything to me. Yeah. Like, you know, I just I just need to know that you're here in front of me and you are seeing my pain. That's that's really good advice. In those situations, like the internal editor inside me wants to avoid saying something trite. And really what I should just say is I'm with you and I feel you. Yeah, I should stop thinking about if it sounds trite or not. Yeah. Question for you guys. What did you think of the mix, the audio mix between the piano and the vocal? Uh, do you do you mean just the relative volumes, or do you mean like, just the... that? And like, did they? Because Von Vorten 
I think it was Von Vorten on the board said something about like the like roomy, the like piano kind of room sound and the and the relatively clean vocal didn't sound like they like existed together in the same space. I, yeah, I, I think that, that may have been emphasized a little bit by the fact that the vocal was panned off to the right a little bit, which I thought mm-hmm. was an interesting choice. Most everyone always tells you that vocals need to be center channel. So I thought that was an interesting choice, but it didn't bother me. But it made it feel like it was slightly separate. And that may have added to that. Mm. I thought the piano sounded really great. Thank you. Know? you. Yeah, yeah, I put... I. I think I did. It was just like 20 and 20, like the piano is 20% to the left and the vocal is 20% to the right. Cause because it was only those two elements, it was like, well, I don't want to have the vocal right in the middle and then the piano like off. I don't enjoy having the sound unbalanced between yeah. your ears. I hate it when things are panned 100% to one ear, you know, cause, it's, yeah. cause if I'm, if I'm yeah. listening on headphones, it's like that ear gets tired hearing that snare drum and it's not in the other ear or hearing whatever it is. Uh, is the piano a stereo recording or is it two mono recordings? The piano is just one, it's just one mono recording. Um, okay. Yeah. I just, I opened up the lid on my grand piano and I stuck uh, the the mic in there. I th- I thought about doing um, a stereo recording, but I've had some weird issues with using both inputs on my interface, so I didn't want to risk it. And because I was doing it without a click track or anything, I didn't want to try to like do two separate recordings or anything. So it's just yeah, it's just the piano and then just the vocal. And I put some EQ on both of them, and I put some reverb and compression on the vocal. Okay, mixing and mastering stuff, it's only an issue when it takes me out of the song. And there's nothing like that that took me out of this song. I thought, you know, maybe it was a little lower volume than other songs in this fight. I think Chumpy went on a a very sort of long description of that in the boards, the kind of different stuff that you can do to bring it up. But I don't don't think it even needed that. Again, like uh, Chumpy said in a, a recent podcast, I have a volume knob. So that fixes that just fine. So yeah, nothing about your recording quality or mixing or mastering or anything took me out of the song. So uh, I think think it was fine. Cool. Thank you. That is exactly the comment I had. Like right away I thought, oh, wow, it's, it's weird that the vocal is panned a little bit right. And then I forgot about that like a couple seconds later and I didn't think about it again until I first heard it again. Yeah, I was not taken out of the song either. Cool. All right. So so the conclusion is that Von Vorten can suck it. (laughs) (laughs) well everyone's ears are different so yeah and who knows i mean a lot of time we're we're stretching to find anything at all to say about the song and if you only give us a voice and a piano then we have three things to complain about your voice your piano or your mixing so maybe he was just stretching to to look for something all right let's talk about my social uniform
And I remember when I was talking about the BGM song, I said, you know, it's interesting about the sounds that people use to make their song really influences how people feel about it. And in the first few seconds of this, of hearing this song, I felt like, oh my God, this is from the 80s. And, you know, it's those heavenly synth strings and vocals, the heavy kick drum and the super reverb-laden synth hand claps and finger snaps, and then, you know, some really fast 16th note hi-hat patterns. All that adds up to be a very definite 1980s sound, which immediately drags in a bunch of feelings about, you know, popular music from the 1980s. So how I feel about that is sort of irrelevant, but it's just something to know that, you know, you're already going to be getting a bunch of people's perceptions when you really zero in on those sounds. And it's just interesting which sounds lead to those perceptions and why. You know, there's the the sound of a gated kick drum or a gated snare drum that was like all over the 80s. That's like just something else that's sort of triggering that you hear. But regardless of, you know, how I feel about the music of that time, I can tell that this is super well produced and all of the elements I think sound great together. I really like his singing. I think the mix is really clear and really well produced. And he does a lot of very clever tricks to make the chorus pop. You know, not only by adding sort of unique instrumentation and sounds that only come into the chorus, but the transition between the verse and the chorus, he uses a reverse cymbal to get that sort of whooshing sound as you go right into the chorus, and it's just a really nice lift. You know, I had a hard time getting past some of my 80s biases for this song, but I could certainly tell that it was really thoughtfully done and well-produced and well-crafted song. Yeah. Yeah, my first impression was, holy cow, it's Gloria Estefan, and that they cryogenically froze Gloria Estefan in 1986 and then thawed her out for a couple of weeks ago, just pushed her into a recording studio with her old synthesizers and drum machines and didn't let her to listen to any newer music, and then she recorded this, and I'm, I'm certain that's exactly, exactly, exactly what happened. <laughs> Now, I mean that as a, as a comical comparison, but also as a compliment. I mean, that vocal performance is amazing, and the production quality is incredible, yeah. and the song is just fantastic and objectively, you know, wonderful in that way. But I also think that kind of late 80s to 90s diva pop is sort of a low point in the history of musical innovation and style. And obviously I'm wrong uh, when I say that by any objective metric, but I still kind of can't help but feel that way. It's like this is par for the course for that whole genre. And we've heard this before. Again, it's objectively a fantastically produced and fantastically performed wonderful song with good lyrics. If this was American Idol instead of Song Fight, then they wouldn't take any song seriously except for this one. But it, it's not. It's do, this... you mean, do you mean if this was American Idol and it was these 11 songs? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, it'd be everything would be a joke except for this song. This is like the peak in production, whereas the see something CCRTV zero is the value. Okay, I take it back. Two songs would be taken seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, no. I mean, that's it's a that's that's the thing. This is this is wonderful. This is fantastic. It is like a time capsule, though. It's like if she said, "Oh, I." found this old demo track from Gloria Estefan with the exact same title and then she just put it in here I I wouldn't be all that surprised because it does sound wonderful it does sound professional it sounds great Uh, the lyrics are great but it's so so of that time and so so of that style and I never liked that and that's absolutely genre bias no doubt about it but I, I can't get my head around that 
I, I really like this song. Uh, do you guys do you guys read on the board his little note about um, about this song? Uh, well, I'll just pull it up. It's written about my wife. We recently lost her father after a long battle with dementia. It's hard to expose real emotions, but essentially this is how I've tried to approach supporting her through this and deal with my own grief at the same time. Obviously, none of the the specifics of that come through in the lyrics, but I think that's okay. You know, I was complaining about the BGM song, like there's no there's no details, there's nothing to grab onto. I, I don't know anything about this story. Whereas, you know, in this case, I think it works because it lets the listener enter into the song and you can you can repurpose the song for your own needs. Everybody knows someone who is going through something terrible and kind of wondering how they can be there to support them. So the fact that the lyrics were a little bit sketchy, I think worked. I really liked the bridge lyrics, the kind of, you know, it doesn't get any easier. I don't remember exactly, but there's the, the line about just dragging your baggage along. I thought that was really well done. I do have a very specific complaint about a one specific lyric. Uh, so he uses basically rhyming couplets throughout. And then the chorus goes, uh, I'm going to pull it up so that I am sure that I'm doing it correctly. The chorus says, I will carry this for you, hold you up until your feeling returns. I will carry this for you. I remember how it... There's only one word that logically fits here, and feels is not the correct word. And there are three reasons for that. Uh, <laughs> one is that it doesn't rhyme. Two, feels is a neutral word, like no specifics, like everything feels somehow. It's even worse than uh, than Berkeley social scenes making music to describe making music. So <laughs> right, feels right. doesn't tell you anything. And you just used the word feeling in the previous line, like you're using it again. And so all three of those problems are solved by using the word burns instead of feels. Um, Till your feeling returns, I remember how it burns. It's a, it's it rhymes. It's a specific feeling. It actually it actually conveys some kind of connotation, and it doesn't repeat the word that you already used. So, sir, I would like you to re-record this song. Don't even have to re-record the song. You just have to re-record that one word. Just punch um, it, in. and then the song's gonna be great. Oh, I did have two small. This is okay. Here's the deal. When I pick nits like this, it's because I really like your song, and I don't have any like overall giant problems with it. So I'm gonna be seem really petty about these tiny problems. Problems, but it's because I want it to be the best song that it can be. And then did you guys notice in the, I don't know if I didn't like this. I just thought it was weird in the verses. There's like reverb on the second half of every vocal phrase. Yeah, I did notice that. Like it was dry and wet alternating. The like a phrase was ascending. So the end of the phrase was this like big kind of anthemic thing. And so that worked well because it's like he goes up, it's a big moment and there's reverb. But the B phrase is descending and it ends on a low point and it's just kind of weird to have reverb on there. I don't know. I don't quite know how I felt about that very, very specific choice. I thought it was a little bit weird. Other than that, though. Yeah, his voice is gorgeous. The melodies are great. Um, I really like in the later choruses where he has kind of an echo backing vocal. So there's some kind of a polyphonic thing. I liked the very ending. 
there was like so it's kind of this is kind of a gross word but the, it was like kind of a tribal drum kind of feeling at the very end kind of a very 80s but it sounds really cool so yeah, yeah. lots of really really great choices made throughout this and side note really sorry dude about losing your father-in-law and i know that dementia sucks so so bad and uh yeah the like one good thing about this is that you got this really great song out of it all right on that note let's talk about paco del stinko Does anyone want to go first on this? My notes are a little bit sketchy. Mine too. Like I usually too. Yeah. Well, okay. I'll (laughs) I'll start off then. I was. I asked. You know, was that was that that was a theremin, right? It's. uh, I know he has one, and it starts out sounding a little bit like a guitar, but I'm almost certain that that's a theremin. He automatically gets points from me uh, if he's using a theremin. It's great Paco stuff. It's not atypical great stuff, though, you know? It's not It's not all that uh, outside his wheelhouse. And that's fine, though. It's good, reliable Paco. I like the lyrics. If it were me, I would have turned that bass guitar way, way up during the second verse uh, or maybe uh, doubled that up with some other instrument uh, where kind of like a lot of the other stuff goes out. There's like this neat background bass riff that's going on. And I think just sort of highlighting that a little bit more would have uh, improved it a little bit but you know paco isn't dricatorium and it's great as is i was happy enough with it it's good i really like the gang vocals that are kind of sneery that sort of take place in the middle of the song i like the fuzzed out rhythm guitar which sounds punkier than i usually hear from paco which i like i kind of like the licks at the end you know ending with the solo i think is a nice touch um, the vocals seem a little far back in the mix. I would have rather have heard them a little bit more forward and a little bit more present. One of the reasons I had a hard time coming up with something new to say is that this song is just really right in Paco Del Stinko's wheelhouse. And you know, I know that he that he you know submits songs every week, so it must be hard to come up with something new every week. But I'm starting to feel like maybe he's leaning a little too hard on his wheelhouse. I've loved his the two hits so much. I thought that was so great, and it was kind of weird, unusual things for him. And this was back to the Paco stuff that I don't really care for. Um, this is another one, kind of like um, like Evil Grins. The issue I had with the guitar in Evil Grin. This is one where just like the ride cymbals, just the like wash of drums made this fatiguing for me to listen to and so i didn't i didn't enjoy the physical act of listening to this song 
I thought his vocals were good. His kind of weird vocal ticks and and bobbity bobs and things that he were doing. I do wish the vocals were clearer so that that would come out more. The bulk of this song is like the same riff over and over again. It gets old. Um, there is a, a couple contrasting sections, but other than that, we have this riff that's really getting hammered. And then uh, my complaint is that this is a song that is clearly called What Not to Say uh, and is not called What to Say and How to Say It. Right. I know I was just glancing on the on the Nurine boards and there was a little bit of a conversation about like how closely do you have to hew to the title. My feeling is that if you heard the song and then you saw what it was called, there shouldn't be like a, a weird whiplash like what moment. And sometimes it's harder than others with, you know, and this is a really long title. It's like pretty specific, but you know, I'm good. That's the main thing is I'm good at what not to say. Yeah. It's just me complaining. Sorry, Paco. I wish I had some more. Um, obviously, uh, he's a great guitar player, but other than that, it didn't do much for me. I think what he did with the vocals sort of, I mean, with the lyrics sort of, it, it kind of opened up a whole new world to me in in future song fights because I'm thinking like yeah, I can you can do the the title or you can do the exact opposite of the title. Why not? You know. <laughs> so I think right right now I'm I think I'm going to be thinking about like the this next one can be bending the knee or not bending the knee or sure, but, you know. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but. Uh, I know I I get your point I totally totally get your point but I also thought like oh this is kind of freeing a little bit if you can get away with that and uh and if he's not getting away with it with some of the people who are voting then then eh. sure and I think the glass you know the fact that they just used the title as their main hook in the chorus the rest of the song could have for example been in Thai and not even in English and um it would have been fine like, you can take that approach. You can be just kind of like, okay, cool. Here's the title very prominently displayed. But for the rest of the lyrics, I'm going to go off. And that might work for people or it might not, but that's another way of thinking about it. Yeah. I actually agree more with Micah than I do Grumpy Mike on the forums who who doesn't who thinks the title is just a suggestion. I initially, my feeling was your job is to create a title hook from the title and to prominently use that in your chorus. And if you're not doing that, you're not embracing the title. I, I've come down a little bit from that position, but I certainly appreciate it when people make a strong title hook out of the title, because that's kind of what I feel like the challenge is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I do. then... Oh, go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. But some of the titles are shitty, and so I can see why you I like how why Ryan you wouldn't and I do tried that. to talk over but, each you other. Know, if, 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 like, go ahead. And so Chumpy was like, okay, I will. <laughs> Well, okay, but I'm thinking we we can come up with examples where you you wouldn't hold them to it. And right right now I'm having difficulty. But like, um, how about um, how about twenty one twelve by Rush? They don't say twenty one twelve anywhere in that, do they? That's so, that's fine. But yeah, but it's also the name, name of the, of the album. Of, uh, one whole side of the album, right? <laughs> that's a concept album, though. That's different than a pop song. If so, Jim Tyrell. P.S. Greatest song in this fight, objectively true. If so, in, <laughs> so um, near the beginning, he says, like, you know, there's only there's only two things. Uh, the one is what to say, and the other is how to say it. Like, if 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 he had not, he does do the full title word for word later. But even if he didn't, like, that would be fine with me. 
And even if he even if he didn't have that line, that the concept behind the title is shot through his enti- the entire lyrics of his song. So it's so it's fine if you don't say it word for word. Paco's it it is going in the opposite direction, kind of deliberately, and like that's fine. But the underlying concept is not shot through, and he doesn't have the phrase itself. So, I mean, it's kind of a gut thing. And really, for me, it is like, if I heard the song and then I saw the title, would I be confused? Okay, I think we've exhausted that topic. Let's move on to Third Cat. When you let me feel the warmth of your love Your mouth in the eyes off of my cold heart Wanna show you how you spun me around But I open my mouth and there's not a sound So, you know, we were just talking about titles and choruses. The thing that leapt out to me right away is that there's this section in the chorus and it goes, um, and I don't know how to say it. And then he goes, yeah. And then he repeats it, the chorus again, and he doesn't do the la da da la la at the end. And I really want it and I don't get it. And I'm a little bit bothered by that. That was just my first impression. It's like, Third Cat, you gave me this great thing and then you took it away from me. Why? That's That's been his thing lately. It's like he's doing weird structures where you do, you know, you think there's going to be another verse or you think that there's going to be, you know, a repeat of the chorus and it's like, nope, the song's over. Right. Like this time there's a verse and a chorus and then there's this big spacey instrumental break after the first chorus, which is not really where you expect it. Yeah. So, okay. Qu- very quick digression. Not going to mention Stan Rogers at all. Um, so we, all three of us were judges for uh, Spin Tunes, right? I've been listening back to a lot of those songs. And the final round, right, it was Third Cat, Mandibles, Faster Jackalope, and Zoe Gray. And the, like, overwhelming consensus was that Third Cat's song was the weakest of those four, right? Everybody, everybody who voted put him at either number three or number four. That song is a banger, guys. I That song gets stuck in my head all the time. And a whole bottle of Chardonnay, Cabernet, whatever it is, I just like, suddenly I'll be like, I'll have Feel My Trouble by Third Cat stuck in my head. So I want to go back in time and tell us all, uh, guys, we are not giving Feel My Trouble by Third Cat its due. As a preface to say, I really like <laughs> Third Cat and I really did not like this song. It feels like it it never kicks in. It feels like it's about to kick in multiple times. Like the instrumental section has, it's like building, building, building. And I did, I did really like kind of like gate or phasing or whatever the effect was, where it's like, it became this like stuttery thing. It was really cool. It was about to break out like in um, whichever one ever, I think there's the, like when he does the like, believe I want you. Sorry if you have to, if I like clipped the hell out there, but like the big, like with the shaker and everything, 
and it's like exploded into this big thing. He it never happens here. And in fact, it like builds, 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 and then the chorus starts, and the drums are like the drums are like nothing, hat, nothing, snare. And it's like then it kicks in, but it's like this this really limp thing. And then in the the sunbird password section, uh, it also feels like it's building, building, building. And then it goes to the limp chorus again. And uh, and the lyric bothers me because the central idea is that like this relationship is really great, but I don't know how to express it. Right. Like, I don't know how to tell this other person uh, how much they mean to me and how much this relationship means to me. And given that he is unable to verbally express any of that, it's really disappointing that the music doesn't express any of that either. Like, the music doesn't have any passion in it. It doesn't have any intensity in it that would be like, here are, here are these emotions that I don't know how to express verbally. Uh, here they are musically. It didn't have that. The, when he did the like, but I don't know how to say it, la da da, it's like, oh well, I guess you know I'm a crappy boyfriend because I can't tell, I can't tell this person how much I care about them. But I should say some things that I liked um, because that seems like the polite thing to do, and there are things that I like. He's, you know, he's got a gift for melodies, and I don't know how to say it, la da 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 da, like that's catchy. It is, and it, it has gotten stuck in my head. His voice continues to be great, and the way that he records his voice, and he talked on the boards at some point a little bit about how he mixes like dry and processed vocal takes to come up with this kind of cool amalgam. I don't know the specifics of how he does it, but his voice always sounds great. His playing is is cool. Yeah, whatever that effect was on the instrumental, that 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 that, that it was cool, and I liked it. And I wish that these elements that I did like had cohered in the context of a song that I liked. And also, you guys should go listen to The Idiot by Stan Rogers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Maybe part of the problem with this song was that it, it gets going and like almost from the gate, you know, there's this kind of good groove that's happening. You know, it's a good catchy groove. And then that weird instrumental section starts and it interrupts that groove. It, it gets in the way of that groove. Uh, but I, I still thought that's, you know, okay. The weird bit is good and uh, the groove comes back. So, you know, I like their use of panning in the song. They've been doing that uh, a bit with uh, the, both this and with their Narayan entry for Message Received. Uh, I thought the lyrics are fine. Are, is this song about Twitter? Does anybody know? Oh, it's like, I, I mean, I consider that it, it, he's talking about all this stuff. And then he goes, uh, I can't find the way in. I can't see the sunbird. I don't know who I am. I've lost my password. Maybe he can't get into Twitter and that may or may not link with the, yeah, uh, yeah. I open my mouth and there's no sound. I, I have no idea that I've lost my password line is kind of out into left field, but that makes sense in the concept, you know, sunbird, bluebird, Twitter. If that is the case, it does not make me like this song more. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So uh, one other thing that I wanted to mention uh, here that, that we haven't really discussed. So there are four bands in here that are doing both song fight and Narine. And that's that's quite an accomplishment to be able to get in two original songs in for both of them. I'm not counting Ujin because that's the exact same song. So 
But there is uh, Budget Bears, which is Von Vorten, uh, submitting as vowel sounds to, uh, to Nerein. There's Third Cat, obviously. This is one of them. Um, there's Paco Del Stinko and uh, Evil Grin, who's submitting as Pig Farmer Jr. So kudos, kudos, kudos to all of them, including Third Cat, this song that we're ostensibly talking about right now, for getting in two original songs in such a short time frame. And keep it up. That'd be amazing. Of course, can't totally totally expected it. it's it's a hell of an accomplishment but uh it, it impresses the hell out of me you yeah. guys can get in that in such short notice a lot of folks are working really hard in this contest yeah yeah all right finally that brings us to Ujin and the luckling band <laughs> I didn't write a single note for this song because I don't have to. This damn song has been stuck in my head for days. Rock my t baby, rock my t baby, rock my t I'll tell you what to say and how to say it. My mama message received. Like, all of that is just stuck in my head. Just couldn't get it out of my head. And I think what I like most about this song and is, is just the sheer amount of hooks. Like, each one of those sections is really memorable and really singable. This song has been with me ever since the first time I heard it, so great job on making a hooky, memorable, singable song. You know, and the lyrics are mostly in Thai, and I really don't know what they mean, and I don't have to. Whatever it is, it's cool. Like, I, I, just, I just love this song. You know, normally I'd be a little bit peeved, like, you know, you are serving two masters here, trying to do two titles, but... I like this song so much, I don't care. Yeah, we, we already covered this in the Nurine podcast. And honestly, I'm, I'm less impressed with it the more often that I hear it. Uh, I know that you're, you're uh, firmly in their corner for this song, but it seems really, really derivative from Saplan Pour Moi to me, I think. And that's not terribly bad, uh, but it seems almost kind of like more Spin Tunes 15 Round 3. You know, I'm not. Don't make me say the word. I'm not going to. But uh, it's pastiche. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say it. Somebody else said it. But yeah. So uh, so yeah. It's it's very much of that kind of. It's got that kind of drive and everything, and it's it's fine and it's catchy and and I get it. But uh, the the kind of like little weird petty resentments that I have about it being so. Uh, reminiscent of this other stuff and about it them submitting to both which i know is fine but you know doing double duty on this song is uh it, it should impress me but it doesn't that they're able to very convincingly have make this song have two separate titles 
and incorporate that into it. But it, it just sort of doesn't. And having to even yammer about it this long after already having uh, discussed it during the, the Narayan <laughs> podcast. So uh, it's a good song. It is. It, it, is, it is a good song. But uh, I have misgivings. The uh, orchestral conductor, Nicholas Harnoncourt, who specialized in um, historically informed performance of Baroque and classical music, drew a distinction between music which speaks and music which paints. The former must be understood and the latter should be felt. Um, and he was specifically talking about Baroque and classical music versus romantic music. But I think it's a, a general thing that is your music like an intellectual, do you have to understand the relationship between the musical elements or is it just music that you feel? And uh, this is very much music that paints. This is a feeling and that feeling is pretty cool. I like it. I enjoy listening to it, but I don't think very hard about it. Um, side note, from my uh, very brief internet research, it appears that Rachmachtisud means I love you the most. It's just, yeah, it's, it's high energy. It's rocking. It's like, do we need to have all of these different sort of variations of the hook? Like, maybe not, but it is fun. Um, I thought it was weird. There was one that went, rock, mock, tisud. And having tisud. that, like, tisud, that, yeah. that, that was a weird rhythm because it wasn't, I don't know how the syllable stress works in Thai, but it, like, rock, mock, tisud. So like rock is the is the is the stressed and sued is stressed, but then he does this t sued where the stress is on t. So it was it just sounded weird. That was the one moment that sounded wrong, even though it's in a language that I don't understand. I will say they um, tried to write a song that could convincingly be called both "What to Say and How to Say It" and "Message Received," and they ended up with a song called "Rock Mock T Sued." Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> there's a, there's a third competition we don't know about <laughs> it's in time um, so so they like try they tried you know aiming for two birds with one stone that expression implies that you actually hit both of them they just the the stone just went right between the two birds and they kind of looked at each other like what was that so <laughs> and it fell and yeah, hit a squirrel a tie squirrel nonetheless but it was fun. Yeah, it is kind of I'm I do get I get a little bit annoyed when they're like, yeah, let's do both of them at once and let's try to shoehorn both titles in. But yeah, I guess what really counts is it, it does a good song come out of it. And I think, yeah, this is a pretty fun song. All right. That is the end. We have reached the end. We've gotten reviews of all the songs. It's your turn to pitch a product, Micah. What was the name of that uh, that artist that you like? Stan Rogers. Guys, come on. So, okay, specifically, there we go. Stan Rogers, The Idiot, is a really incredible song. If you don't want to go in for the whole, like, I have to figure out whether this unreliable narrator should be trusted or, like, does the song have an external agenda outside the narrator, if you're not into that whole intellectual, cerebral stuff, uh, the Mary Ellen Carter is a song about it's about a ship that sinks and the the crew decides to to raise the ship and it becomes uh, it becomes a, a metaphor for overcoming whatever obstacle in your life and it's like a very it's a it's a very on the nose song but it's so good it's 
I'll just say it right now. It's maybe the greatest song ever written is the Mary Ellen Carter by Stan Rogers. And obviously Ryan is going to disagree on with me on that because he has no heart um, because he is just a, a cold electric guitar playing backing vocal singing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get this straight. It's not just the heart. I'm dead inside all over. It's the liver. It's the kidneys. The liver has been damaged terribly, terribly, terribly. Especially the but yeah, liver. the heart, the soul, the, the everything just gone for years. So yeah, so yeah, you're probably right about that. No, I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll, I'll give All it a right. listen. So, so I'm going to say listen to Stan Rogers, and I'm going to say join a choir because it will uh, it will improve your singing. It is a wonderful social activity you get to meet other cool musical people who you might be able to collaborate with and some evidence suggests that you will live longer how much uh pitch editing and is okay in the choir because i would need it terribly here's the thing i like you guys have complained about my pitchy vocals like all the time right right that doesn't sound like us would we um, that doesn't sound like us so I sing in this choir. Uh, it's like 90 people, and it's a lot of music teachers. It's a lot of church musicians. Um, it's a lot of people who sang throughout college and just want to keep singing. So it's at a pretty high level, and I am like I am far from the best singer in this choir. But I'm like I I pull my weight for sure. I mean, in a, like 90 singers, that's a great thing. It's like in a choir of 90 singers, the weight that you have to pull is like not that much weight. So yeah, and singing in tune with a bunch of other people who are also singing is so much easier than singing in tune in your bedroom with your headphones on listening to a recorded track. So do it, Ryan. Join well, a choir. Are am, am, is it easier to sing in tune or is or do they just overwhelm my out of tuniness? Well, I mean a little a little, bit of, a little, little bit of both. Okay. All right. That's that's all good. Those are those are my shout outs for today. Okay. What about you, Ryan? You got any shout outs? I'll I'll do the pat ones. Thank you so much, Lunkhead, for all of your work. Lunkhead is also doing Narine. I mean not not arranging Narine, but he is uh, performing in Narine, probably under Berkeley social scene and definitely with Marison and just cranking out great songs there while he's also managing Songfight. Thank you so much, Nivius, for doing all that great work uh, on such short notice. He, he does those turnarounds like on time. He's just amazing, amazing work, Nivius. Thank you so much. Let's see. Special shout out to my husband. Thank you for all your love and support. Thank you, Brian. And shout out to Alice. And I, I think that's it for me. Uh, any from anybody else? Uh, I'd like to thank uh, my wife for taking our son on the church field trip so that I could uh, stay here. I'm sitting in my church office in the dark and recording this with you guys. She's great. And I'd like to thank Stan Rogers for writing two of the greatest songs of all time. As we have discussed, you guys asked. Come on. (laughs) And I would like to thank you two gentlemen for uh, for having me. And it's always a great pleasure to sit down and talk with with you guys about these cool songs. Yeah, thanks. Maybe we'll see you in a few months. Who knows? Right. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will catch you on the flippy flop. I gotta say it this time, Ryan. 